Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. This week, we're sitting down to a summit dinner i'll say to discuss the fourth episode of the disney plus series the book of boba fett titled chapter four the gathering storm this episode was written by john favreau and staff writer uh, noah clore and directed by kevin i'm really sorry about this it's tancharia tancharon i think tancharon possibly (laughs) i think uh colleen are you ready to rappel down into the acidic belly of the beast with absolutely zero protective equipment no i would have put in my two weeks immediately (laughs) (laughs) this is over (laughs) all right well then let's just get right to it we're gonna punch it with an episode recap so Mm -hmm. we don't get any stuff in the present to start with we are already in the back to flashback boba's in the tank and he is thinking about he's dreaming about the aftermath of the swoop gang slaughtering the tuscans well, maybe the Swoop Gang slaughtering the Tuscans. I'll ask questions about that later. Mm-hmm. He is wandering the desert with his Bantha. Again, some really great shots of this. Yeah, looking it was very beautiful. Looking, looking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he gets over and he starts scoping out Jabba's palace. He's trying to decide exactly what his next move's going to be when he sees lights and fighting in the distance. These are the events of the Mandalorian Chapter 5. Going towards them, he finds the pretty much fatally wounded Fennec Shand on the ground. She's still looking great, though. You're you're doing great, She really is. She really is. (laughs) He takes her to a mod parlor and bribes the artist slash doctor to save Fennec by giving her droid organs. Poor thing. Once she wakes up, he brings her up to speed and demands her help with getting his ship back from the palace. She agrees to square any debt she owes him. It's fair. The two manage to infiltrate the palace where Fennec slits the throat of a chef droid those poor droids and boba has a hilarious chase with the rat catcher droid Mm -hmm. which might have been one of my favorite things in star wars of all time they make it to the hangar and shoot their way out fennec agrees to ride with boba for a while like you know just to see how things shake out while he settles a few scores 
That's right. So then we cut to Boba flying up behind the swoop gang <laughs> and absolutely taking them out. Colleen, I thought of you immediately when yep. this happened. Like, <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> and he's he's letting out some aggression here. He doesn't just use blaster fire to take these guys out. He Extreme uses precious. missiles. When yeah. like there's one left, he shoots a missile. <laughs> yeah. Intense. Boba, yes. take it down. <laughs> Yes, and then he takes his intensity up another notch. Um, He decides to try and fly down the Sarlacc's throat, I guess, in order to retrieve his armor. (laughs) He takes the ship and just faces it down. Great shot, actually, I will say. To see the ship like kind (laughs) of hovering there, it looked really cool. But uh, then the uh, beak from the the Sarlacc shoots up, snags the ship. Mm -hmm. Fennec releases a sonic charge to kill it. And that, of course, made me think of our friend Flo. Who yep. is the self-described slut person in charge? <laughs> she is, folks. It is a great sound. It is. It's it's one of the best sounds in Star Wars. It's one of the best sounds. Yeah. It's one of the coolest sounding things. And I think the guy has officially not revealed how he does it. He should not. <laughs> well, trade secret. Exactly. So we get a nice little fireside chat after Boba manages to rappel down into the pit again with. The only thing protecting him the first time was his Beskar armor and <laughs> going down there and he's just got his cloak. I, I don't know. Fennec mm. tells him to just kind of abandon the armor, like leave it behind. It's fine. But he's determined. Yeah. He offers her a job in his crew that he wants to build. Uh, but she's, she wants to stay independent. She's like, you know, I work for myself. I'll do contract gigs. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And Boba goes, we finally get a real explanation, at least in part, of why Boba wants to do the things he's been doing. Why does he want to take over Jabba's old territories? He's tired of working for idiots who will get him killed. And he wants to do something no one else has done. He wants to build this crew. He will show Fennec true loyalty, give her a full cut of whatever profits they made, and he'll, he'll defend her. That he won't just expect her to to die for him. He will do whatever he can to help keep her alive, which he kind of already has. Right. He proved that point very well. He she did. alive. <laughs> like he did great there. We get a quick flash from the end of the Mandalorian season two, where Boba confronts and kills whoopsies Bib Fortuna. He is then awoken and HD8 tells him he is completely healed. Although Fennec comments that the inner wounds might take longer to heal. I'll say Ooh. this when this scene was when this scene was happening, it was one of the, like the first times I really noticed how much better his skin looks now. Yes. Like especially so up in his face better. and that a lot of those scars and things from the flashbacks, you really notice the difference now. Yes. So he has been taking a while to heal, would be my guess. Like this has been going on for quite some time. Boba decides to go into Mos Espa. You know, he just he gotta make an appearance. He has to. He can't hide forever in the palace. I mean, he could, but he should not. They head to the sanctuary where mm, Black Chrysanthemum <laughs> is getting mad drunk and mad in general at some Trandoshans who are just trying to play some games. Really? Yeah, but they're Trandoshans. They are Trandoshans. They look like little freaking mm, just assholes at that table being like loud and obnoxious. And he's like, no, he loses it completely and starts a bar fight, which is hilarious. Garza emerges resplendent in white. Amazing. She was looking hot. So good. She looks fine as fuck. She tries to intervene by praising Chrysanthemum and offering to wipe his bar tab, which is apparently considerable. 
<laughs> That's fair. Wookiees probably drink a lot. The Wookiee responds by ripping the arm off his victim, <laughs> tossing some coins to the waiter, and walking out. Boba's <laughs> like, sup, Kersantan. <laughs> he follows him out and is like, you know, would you like a job? Maybe? It'd be Maybe. fun. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Two things about the scene I, I want to note. Number one, don't feel too bad for the Trandoshan. Their arms mm. grow back. Number two, yes, Garza during the scene, I, I had found mm. myself having a really hard time like pinpointing what she was really trying to do because she's like praising him, but all I, was she like also kind of mocking him? I I don't know. I think I she's really trying to make sure the place doesn't get fucked up and she's trying to keep the peace but i mean in order to try and calm him down and maybe draw his attention by mocking him a little bit because he's not going to attack her oh no <laughs> not so i think she did the right thing by calming him down and making him realize like i'll wipe your bar tab because you obviously have no money <laughs> yeah she was like it was like these little like double-sided comments that i was yes. just like i'm wondering she's what she's really going for here <laughs> she's a master of the verbal, obviously. Like she's knows what she's doing. Yeah. I love to when he leaves and she's like, whatever. <laughs> and Boba's just like, worth a shot. Yeah, I tried. Mm-hmm. And At least max. my place isn't mad. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> she gives zero shits about anything but her club, and I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. So then we cut back to Jabba's Palace and we have this mm. dinner summit. This is what, the one that we saw in the trailer for mm-hmm. the series. The Trandoshans, the Aqualish, and the Klaatuanians are meeting with Boba. He offers them an alliance. Basically, he sa- thinks that they have to get the pikes out of Tatooine. Now, they don't all agree. The Trandoshans in particular note that they make a lot of money off the spice that the pikes are bringing in. Mm-hmm. And so Boba decides all right look it's fine if you don't want to fight with me that's cool just don't fight against me like basically commit to remaining neutral and i'll fight this out myself Mm -hmm. and ultimately they agree to this fennec is definitely skeptic but Mm -hmm. boba is ultimately confident that the deal he's offering is better than the ones the pikes will ultimately give them so these men will in fact just act in their own interests what he needs, though, is some extra muscle. And Fennec notes, as any good bounty hunter mercenary would, as Boba used to be, muscle's pretty easy to find if you know where to look. And the episode ends with a Mandalor- with the Mandalorian's theme playing <laughs> into the credits. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I think that part I was like, what? like oh okay interesting um going into our overall reactions I really wasn't sure what to make of this episode at first I like after it was over I sat there for a while and was like well that was a thing (laughs) I wasn't quite sure exactly I had to go back and rewatch it obviously for this but also just be like I really need to like check out the pacing of this episode again I enjoyed moments I think throughout and thought the set pieces were really great but it didn't leave me feeling as much as the other episodes. Like I wasn't dazzled by anything besides Garza's dress, obviously, which was freaking amazing. I did like that sequence between her and Kersantan. I think that was great tension. The actors did really well. And then Ming-Na Wen and Tamora have great chemistry. Love it. I can watch that Mm -hmm. all day. But this really felt kind of like a placeholder episode. Like that part of the story where my editor would be like, no, 
cut this <laughs> or shorten it or discuss it in one piece of dialogue in a later scene. It, it just felt like, okay, all right, why, why did we have this episode? Like, why was it important to have it besides the talk at the end? And I'm guessing we'll get a reason for it in the next episodes, mm-hmm. hopefully. And developing Fennec and Boba's relationship also was very important. It just felt very out of place, I guess. It's hard to describe. I need to see the whole series and then go back and be like, what is this for? Yeah. Think about it. Excited for what the ending seems to bode, though. So we'll see next week what happens there. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I was really conflicted with this episode and my feelings for it. Because on the one hand, I mean, it's it's a Fennec Shan-centric episode and, and a lot of her. So yes, I'm in. Done. I had a lot of fun with individual scenes in this. They were so cool. I loved the the palace. I loved, uh, I mean, it looked, the Sarlacc looked cool and everything. Mm-hmm. Again, the Sonic, obviously amazing. Cool. Mm-hmm. Garza and the Wookiee, and it's all great. But the plot points that were kind of moved, that we're moving in with, with all these scenes are all plot points that I was a hundred and still ultimately would have been a hundred percent okay with them just kind of yada yadaing with mm-hmm. a mini montage or something. Yeah. They definitely needed a montage for sure. they, it, like they could have done this in a montage like the the palace infiltration, if you wanted to kind of make that the the central focus point, like cool. That's mm-hmm. fine. But then you get to something like the Sarlacc scene and you and I were texting about this yeah. last night. Like <laughs> I, I can think of exactly zero reasons why the scene <laughs> happens the way it does, right. except for the fact that John Favreau was quite literally playing in the sandbox and thought it would yeah. look cool. He wanted the Sarlacc to die. <laughs> but th- even <laughs> then though, that's fashion. fine. Like if you want the, if you want the Sarlacc to die, you he, Boba's on like a revenge, mi- a revenge mission. Just have him drop the the sonic charge. Like the idea that he has to go in and do the armor. It to me, it actually reminded me. I'm going back to Lord of the Rings special features again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of the King extended edition has the mouth of Sauron scene. Yeah, which they're outside the Black Gate, and you get like the Tower Keeper goes out there, and he's telling the Fellowship that Frodo's dead, and they're all reacting to this that mm-hmm. Frodo is done for and this whole mission has been for naught but we as the audience literally just saw Frodo 10 seconds ago and know he's alive and well right and you see the writers talking about that that that's why they ultimately had to cut the scene because the dramatic tension there is just gone we know going into this that the armor is not there and we thought Boba knew it too (laughs) right it kind of felt like I guess he was kind of in a fever situation when and and yeah I'll accept that as a thing but still, it's still like... just like I'm funny. Now, again, though, the scene looked cool. And if you liked the scene a lot, that's awesome for you. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. The scene back in the sanctuary, again, really cool scene. But if the point of the scene is just to get Boba to give Black Kersantan a job, they had a perfect opportunity there when he let him go last episode. Like, right. why not just offer him the job on the spot? If right. this was like two or three episodes removed, okay but it's mm-hmm. like right after right um, so that i think that was just a little off to me but the scene itself probably Good. one of the highlights yeah it's like moving chess pieces around yeah like you're you're trying to get everything in place that you need to be in place but 
the biggest You're taking thing, one step too much. <laughs> yeah, the the biggest I think plot point from this episode that we get the the two major plot points I think we get here are number one the the non aggression pack out of the present stuff, mm-hmm. and we learn we learn definitively that Fennec is with Boba by choice. Like we've kind of been wondering, is she like with him so loyally because she owes her life to him? And we find out, right. no, that debt, that that's been settled and squared. Yeah. And now she's here by choice. Mm-hmm. And I think they could have just done, a, they could just done this a lot tighter. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> to, to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But that being said, still excited for what's coming next. Yeah. I, I have still fun. An enjoyable episode. Have fun, have fun watching it. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And I won't deny that. Right. Yeah. No, you still are like, oh, all right, this is a good episode. But just trying to place it within the series as a whole, we're going to have to backtrack once we're done and be like, okay. Which I think actually, which I think ultimately, I mean, this kind of gets into our later pieces. I think some of the casts have even said, like Ming-Na Wen has said, like, once you see the finale, everything from the season is going to make total sense. And I have absolute faith that that's going to be the case. Yes, so, totally. Yeah, I in. feel so bad for Tim because he's been like on social media saying like, oh, don't worry, it gets better. It's like, no, it's already good. You shouldn't be having to tell freaking fanboys that are mad that Boba isn't some weird badass that doesn't speak that your show is going mm. to get good. It already is. Like, yeah. it's already good. <laughs> and we want you to talk. Like, we know that you don't want <laughs> you want to cut your dialogue and make it so that poor Ming-Na Wen has to talk all the time, but no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm fine with Ming-Na Wen talking all, all the time. Yes, this is also <laughs> fair. <laughs> but it's like, no, Tam, your show is good. We like it. And we, we do. embrace it. And the rancor with the claws through the floor was that great. was a great that was a great thing. I was a little confused though that the uh, the table and like the chairs were set up mm-hmm. directly on the grate. Like I feel like mm-hmm. that's just a mean thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody's foot is just gonna fall yeah. through, or you're gonna that's try to move your move. chair, and it's what gonna. What if someone is wearing heels? <laughs> Very rude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next, we're going to move into our homages and Easter egg section. We have quite a few, again, not quite as many as the last couple episodes, but there are a few. The title is The Gathering Storm, which is also the title of a Poe Dameron comic, and very similar to The Rising Storm, which is immediately what I thought of, which is one of the novels in the High Republic series. I was like, oh shit, is the shit going to go down in this episode? (laughs) Just from that title, because friends, The Rising Storm, shit goes down. Shit goes down in the rising storm. And to the point, I mean, they're so similar that as I was typing some of my notes and for the for this outline, I kept accidentally typing the rising storm. And then I was like, oh no, too. wait, it's this one's yeah. the gathering storm. It's the rising storm is what we're comparing I it too. to. Right? The title of the outline. I was like, the rising storm. Wait, no, that's higher public. Wait, what's happening? Exactly. <laughs> Many storms are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh next up. So the layout of the palace and the garage that the ship is in is pretty much taken out of one of the older star wars video games battlefront 2 i think daniel, the, o- the og battlefront 2 daniel come on get this get back yours here. <laughs> <laughs> this is your point to make yes. oh, i'm sure he was excited when he saw it though next we have boba finding fennec after the events of mandalorian season one episode the gunslinger which was not some people's favorite episodes i still can't believe they were going to hire ming na wen for that one episode it was a one and done. It was supposed to be Wait, a one and done. What? <laughs> I don't understand. I think when she was, oh, yeah. I mean, when she did that, she was still in the middle, I think, of the last season or so of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. 
So she just so, like kind of popped by and was like, oh, I, I think so. Do a Star Wars cameo kind of situation. I'm glad that they kept her though, because absolutely an amazing character. Like, don't waste Ming Na Wen, Doug Favreau. What's wrong with you? Ugh, it's fine. Um, we got this show. Yes. So the next up in the uh, in the parlor, the mod doctor is played by the musician Thundercat. Um, mm-hmm. I won't lie. I, I found this out and I was like, oh, cool. I don't know who that is. Not going to lie, guys. I don't care. He's hot. <laughs> well, his arm in there is the arm of a... Mm-hmm super battle droid or a b2 from attack of the clones but he's kind of added all the tools and stuff on there too yes he was really cool i like that character a lot i hope yeah we get to see more of characters like that i like the seedy underbelly characters that you get and he's like no you need an appointment like no <laughs> for the last time boba does <laughs> like yeah i liked the whole i did like the mod parlor scene i liked the the whole vibe in there very William Gibson kind of hard science fiction action going on there with the modifications and stuff. And I liked all of the people that were like around there. They like actually kind of very me. interesting feel mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, it, it, it actually reminded me some of um, the show Orphan Black. Where oh, there's yeah. a whole body modification subplot. They're not using machines. They're mm-hmm. organically growing modifications. Right, which is also terrifying. <laughs> which is absolutely terrifying. It's a fantastic show, though, and should have won yes. so many more Emmys. Yes, everyone go watch Orphan Black. We love that show. Uh, next, the doctor, hot doctor, refuses to close up Fennec to not hide her, quote, beautiful machinery, quote, end quote. It just reminded Anders of mechanics who leave the hoods off of cars, which is very cool. Like, I do love that kind of thing. Or have glass panels installed to, like, show off their workmanship. I always look at those cars and I'm like, why'd they do that? But this makes so much sense. Like you make yeah. this beautiful engine out of, like from scratch. You want people to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think Fennec is not quite as <laughs> I mean, she, you know what? She, she has her own like belt thing to cover it up. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next <laughs> up. Yeah. Next up, we have the fire spray gunship. So here, this is the first time that we're hearing the former slave one referred to by its class. That's not the actual name. Uh, Disney somewhat infamously decided to discontinue the name slave one of Boba and his father Django's ship. So now they're just kind of referring it to the class by class, I guess. Mm-hmm. This, I won't lie, was not my favorite choice of Disney, but if it is something that has completely ruined your childhood, I would recommend that you stop this podcast right now and go find a good therapist. Deal I with agree. that. I agree. <laughs> I think like the reason it's named that probably has some meaning to Django Fett that we don't know about, that they would have had to obviously retcon into the Star Wars because that's just what they called it back then. I don't really care about a ship's name per se. <laughs> Unless it's like the Millennium Falcon, like really, would we change yeah. Millennium Falcon's name? Uh, it was a huge controversy, though, and still is occasionally, especially after this episode, my Twitter feed, the Star Wars part of it was like, oh, look, it's the fire spray. And then people being like, murmur, murmur, my childhood. <laughs> like, oh, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> Please, fire Star Wars fans, like, stop it. It's fine. Then we have Fennec's spy drone. I loved this. They were cool. I love those little things. We've seen like comps of this to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Love it. And the dwarf drones. I love the dwarf drones. (laughs) 
what their dwarf names I miss, another I, Disney. I, I miss that they like went away. They like just vanished. They were part of like the transition yeah. in like season two-ish, season two, yeah. season three, and they just never came back. I was like, oh kept them. They were really cute. They're also sort of like smaller version of Maul's probes in the Phantom Menace. And they're red also, which mm-hmm. could mean many things. The way they mapped out the palace made Anders think of the drones in Prometheus. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those little circle ones that just like mapped out that whole complex. That was so mm-hmm. cool. That's such a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Prometheus is underrated. It has a it has a lot of problems, but it's underrated. I agree. Mm-hmm. So next up, we have the kitchen droid. Now, this guy actually made his first appearance back on the transport in Attack of the Clones when Padme and Anakin were traveling as very well dressed refugees. I will say. Mm-hmm. Padme had her like Louis Vuitton luggage with yeah. her. It's fine. And <laughs> like a crown. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to our episode on Attack of the Clones. That one was really fun. <laughs> but of course, also the big thing out of this is uh, the way he spins his gla- blades is pretty much a reference to General Grievous with his lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Master Boba Fett, you're back. <laughs> Get out of my kitchen. That's fair. The other droid in the kitchen is an EV series that we first saw in Return of the Jedi, who assigns 3PO and R2 their duties. <laughs> Which is great. I love that. Maybe or maybe not the same one. I guess he kind of gets his comeuppance here <laughs> if it is the same one. <laughs> here for it. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Rat Catcher Droid, the little mm-hmm. LEP series. He was for, these guys were first seen in Clone Wars, and they are all over the place <laughs> in Clone Wars and mm-hmm. Rebels and everywhere. But this is its live action debut. Uh, it's called an LEP because it looks like a bunny. A bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I loved this part so much. I feel for this droid for real. Like if an unknown assailant is like, do you know who I am? I'm Boba Fett. And it's like, well, I'm just going to shut down now. I'm I'm here. Yeah. He's like, no, I want none, none of this. I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) Then we have the plug droid that Fennec blew up. I might not forgive her for that one though. (laughs) like a gonk droid also like oh why are you he had like four or six legs mm, why are you blowing up this poor droid mm-hmm. droid rights <laughs> where are the droid rights advocates <laughs> the kitchen oh. one i can see he had a lot of knives yeah he had a lot of knives uh also in the hangar there is a spare sand skiff it's the same model that was kind of going alongside the sand barge in front of the jedi maybe this is the one that uh bib fortuna escaped on somehow him max mm. and a few people just hopped on every freaking person for themselves off of the sail barge when fennec shoots the chains to open the gate this reminded anders of the matrix revolutions where they have to get the ship into the fight like yes totally yes Neo, <laughs> lots of I visuals believe. like borrowed visuals kind of in yeah this episode too mm-hmm. which is fine that's why they're homages and yep. callbacks. also i'm just saying for the record matrix revolutions is better than reloaded <laughs> just i'm putting that one out there <laughs> Just throwing it out there into the ether. Yes. <laughs> Next, we get Fennec makes that comment. There are some good mechanics in Mos Eisley. You're right. Pelly's there. We saw her last mm-hmm. time. Let's go back there. I still want her to have a sitcom. Yes. Give us the sitcom. <laughs> and lots of droids in there, too. We, yeah. we would love it. It'd be fantastic. Oh, man. This freaking freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. And this star like freaks me out anyway. But the beak coming out of the sand, like, no. It unfolded a lot like a face hugger. <laughs> from like the alien the egg in the movie alien like no no (laughs) 
and it's like a tentacly things we, we no <laughs> I didn't I didn't need to see the beak <laughs> very monster movie very well done yeah it just was like <laughs> much better than it looked in the remastering of Return of the Jedi Yes, and it was it was really cool here that they kind of like combined the the OG Return of the Jedi, which didn't have the beak at all, and then they added mm-hmm. it for the special edition. So now, okay, it hides kind of down underneath, which was pretty right. cool. But unfortunately, he's dead now because he <laughs> ate a Sonic mine. Just want to give another <laughs> shout out to Flo, yeah. our host of Bohemian Geek Studies, who loves the Sonic Charge. These things showed up in Attack of the Clones and then again on Mandalorian, and we just love the sound effects. Yes, I think everyone does. So like, where can we put the Sonic Charge sound and a Wilhelm scream? Once we have those, we have Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll... I think one thing we're missing is a lightsaber, which you know mm. who has one? You know who has one? It's a particularly fun one? Din Djarin. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he does. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go and listen to our pods about Mandalorian season two. Around the fire, Boba is cooking a scurrier, which is a little rat kangaroo kind of wallaby thing. We've seen them in the Mandalorian. A lot of people thought this was a womp rat, and it's not. It's scurrier. Mm-hmm. And they're cute, but I guess gotta eat what you gotta eat. Yeah, too small to be a womp rat. Those have to be upwards of two meters. Mm-hmm. Still bigger than two meters. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have this line, power hates a vacuum. This is a callback to Cobb Vanth, who said this exact line back in The Mandalorian. He was talking more about the Empire falling. Mm-hmm. And it always just gives me this, like, chaos is a ladder vibes, a little Game of Thrones action yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where is Cobb? Is he safe? Is he all right? <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I, I want Timothy Oliphant back. <laughs> Please, Lord. Next, we have Manubu, Black or Santa, like <laughs> ripping the Trandoshan's arm out is a threefold reference. His desire to do it speaks to the bad history between the Trandoshans and the Wookiees. Their planets are very close to each other. They hunt each other quite a bit. This particular Trandoshan now joins the long line of Star Wars characters who have lost limb. And it's also a callback, which I thought of immediately, to Han in A New Hope, stating that Wookiees are known to rip people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. (laughs) Whoopsies. Always let the Wookiee win. (laughs) Let the Wookiee win. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we get to the summit dinner. We have Doc Strassi. The Trandoshan is back from the first episode, and he is again played by a series. I think he's the showrunner, right? Robert Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And we have Phil Lamar back again, this time playing the Klaatuinian representative. Mm-hmm. And then this whole scene is just very, very Godfather mobster uh, inspired, complete with an animal being used as intimidation. The score sounds very like old school gangster movie. Mm-hmm. I, I did like this scene. I was yeah. like, ooh, Fennec letting her talk. Good choice. Boba being like, oh, I've got a rancor now. Maybe you didn't know. Now you do. <laughs> like, oh, we're not going back to the palace again. He now has a monster. And then, of course, we have the Mandalorian music cue at the end of the episode, which we are going to talk about next. Yes. Getting into our questions and predictions. So any questions we have coming out of this episode? What do we think is going to happen next? What do we want to happen next? So I guess, I mean, I think the main question a lot of people have coming out of this episode is, in fact, timeline 
just how long was Boba with the Tuscans before they died? How long was he kind of mourning them? Mm -hmm. How long was he scoping out Jabba's palace before he found Fennec? And how long was he just kind of wandering? I do have those questions, but at the same time, I've also decided I don't care about them because I was totally willing to accept after episode one, it, the explanation of, yeah, he was with the Tuscans for five years and then, and then stuff yeah. happened. So I'm deciding that is the answer and I'm moving on with my life. <laughs> I like that. I think he would have had to have spent a very long time with the Tuscans yeah. in order to get this amount of emotion behind his actions after their slaughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then Fennec also mentions that the bikers being taken that the bikers taking out the Tuscans seems pretty unlikely. And mm-hmm. I kind of agreed with her on that. I personally yeah. my theory is that it was in fact the Pikes. They were setting up the, the swooper gang. So the Pikes take out the Tuscans, frame the swooper gang, Boba takes out the swooper gang, and therefore there's no one left for them to pay. <laughs> So they basically just get the territory to themselves. Right. They clear out two possible problems, too, in their little capitalism machine that they have going on there. Like Mm -hmm. anybody who's not useful, just get rid of. Right. Then there's there's that Mandalorian theme. Now, this is another one that I'm like kind of torn on for what this means. Because from a spinoff perspective, obviously the show is a spinoff of The Mandalorian. And when you're making a spinoff, it's pretty common. It's pretty standard for someone, usually the main character or a big character from the kind of flagship series to make a big splashy appearance in the first season of the spinoff. But I feel like usually that happens in like the pilot, the first episode. Like Picard in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Picard in Deep Space Nine. And I think... Uh, someone showed up in the uh, in early voyage or two so for them from that perspective i we're doing it a little bit late but it does make sense for them to seek out dan jaren and get the mandalorian in here Mm -hmm. to connect to the two shows story-wise i'm like not 100 percent sure in my head i'm like is really din gonna be the first person that they think of like with all of their contacts from all of their years of bounty hunting Mm -hmm. (laughs) din jaren is gonna be it could be the first one that being said, he is with Bo-Katan, potentially, and her crew. So if getting him in also means we see the Darksaber, Bo-Katan, and all of them, I'm here for it. D- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that would also be a good setup for, in later seasons, like Boba owing them a favor mm-hmm. for them to bring him back. Yep. So I, that all kind of goes together. All right. I want to talk about Garza Flip. I love I wa- her. I love her, too. <laughs> Another shout out to Flo. We think we need to get Flo to just watch that one scene and review the dress. <laughs> I think Flo should do a review of all of her outfits that she has worn. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. It would be hilarious. But I just want to, what's her deal? Like we speculated a little about what she might mean in the long run. But there's one thing I do want to bring up that I've noticed. I haven't really seen anyone else talk about this. So in the first episode, I remember a few people were trying to like decipher what her her kind of crown head headpiece mm. resembled some people was thinking it looked like a firebird like the rebellion i think that got shot down pretty quick that doesn't look nearly enough like it mm-hmm. i've always thought it looks like an Ithor- an Ithorian head mm. the middle piece absolutely looks a lot kind of like that hammer head piece and i'm wondering if she's tied willingly or unwillingly 
to the mayor. Mm. And how much choice does she have in that? She did send Boba over there. Yeah. And I want to know what her end game is. I really want to know because they bring she's there too much to not matter. Right. And again, you don't bring that kind of actress in. Yeah. (laughs) For no reason. (laughs) I'm ready to see her story unfold. I think there could be like a whole situation with her establishment. Like there could definitely be a Western saloon slash brothel, whatever is happening in the sanctuary. (laughs) There could definitely be a show about that. Yes. So... I think overall, this episode was a little bit more hit and miss than some of the episodes. We have three episodes left. Mm -hmm. We have now reached the absolute end of everything we've seen in the trailer. Any promo materials, we know nothing. So they were holding all of this stuff back, which makes me ultimately very excited. Yes. Because I'm just just so pumped. I know Dave Filoni directed one of these last three. Mm -hmm. The the Mando clue is a great excuse for us to get off of Tatooine for a hot minute. Like we could actually leave to go recruit some allies and get some more kind of out in space, some different scenes, right. some different planets. Mm-hmm. And I will, I mean, if there's one thing Filoni, any project that Filoni's involved with can do, no matter what it is, it's a finale. Yes. Both the Mandalorian season finales were pretty darn epic. Mm-hmm. Wherever you fall on the loot cameo, I think you can agree it was pretty epic. <laughs> yes, Even it was the, epic. <laughs> the Rebels finales were always fantastic. The Clone Wars mm-hmm. finales were fantastic. Even yeah. if you were out on the show Resistance, the two season finales, oh, the finales they did were, were fantastic. Yeah. So I agree. I, they've got something coming. Like something. Something big, big is going to happen. Is going to happen. I just really hope it's not Din. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to see Pedro Pascal, but let's bring someone else in for our kind of pinch hit here. Our friend Matt suggested that Bennett could be thinking of some friendly neighborhood mercenaries that we all know and love. The Bad Batch, which would be an interesting wrinkle. Rex was alive in Return of the Jedi, so it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to think some, maybe not all of them, but of the Bad Batch members might be alive too. I'd love to see even one of them. More acting maybe for poor Tem. Poor Tem, and that's that's a lot more makeup for him too, because he's got to really deform him, not deform himself, but they do look different. They look different. I guess see them bringing in a different, like New Zealand actor, possibly to do it, because they really some of them facially do not look like Boba or Django. No, which would be an interesting wrinkle to put, but most likely they are not alive. Maybe Echo. Maybe Echo. I would love to see Echo. I love He would him. fit with the mods plotline. He would fit with the mods. He'd be really cool to bring in for that. Otherwise, that brings us to the elephant relative <laughs> in the room, Omega. Mm. Will we see a possible reunion between her and her big bro, Boba? I'd love it. I would absolutely love this. Give Boba another like sassy lady who won't listen to his bullshit <laughs> and rolls her eyes at him. I'm here for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh no, I have a sister. Ha ha. <laughs> Great. Especially if Fennec is like, yeah, you you do. You didn't know that. And Boba's like, who would have told me? <laughs> they don't tell me anything. That's I was a, a child. Good question. Did Django even know? Right. And that's one of the things we don't know yet. Like Django is like, here, have my DNA. He didn't necessarily know exactly what was happening with it. 
And then season two of Bad Batch is coming out this spring. So that could be another possible connection for the shows, which Disney does like to do. Another possibility, which I would love to see, would be calling in the fellow bounty hunters like Bosk or Dengar or IG-88. I'd love for there to be a droid minor character. We're kind of missing that for this series. And he would bring that like murdery energy (laughs) to the mix. And they already know how to make an IG droid be compelling and look cool because of IG-11. So that would be kind of interesting to see a difference there. Although because they played the Mandalorian theme, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Din. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Din. I, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's got to be. And Some again, way, he'll have the dark saber. So we'll have Possibly. a lightsaber showing in this series. It'd be kind of funny if he like didn't use it very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be totally here for him like being like, uh, I have this, but... But I'm going to use really, my best car spear. <laughs> yeah, I really suck at it, though. It just kind of chills on my belt for the most part. Okay, I would be here for that if that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for us today. So thank you guys for listening today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWPod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Check out all of our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films and Star Wars Visions. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. We have some episodes on Star Wars Rebels. We have the first two seasons of Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Colleen and the ladies cover Outlander. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Which we got a trailer for very recently for the next season. Ah. And you can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And join us next time when we will take a look at the next chapter in the book of Boba Fett. Until then, remember, it's never wise to upset a Wookiee, and you can always find muscle if you know where to look. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.